Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I know it's so cheesy, but I'm always like, holidays are here. <laughs> it's the best time of year, but it's also the juiciest time of year for drama. And it doesn't even have to be holiday drama. Look, it's no secret that you're listening to this while I'm in another country. But that doesn't tamp the caliber of question. They're just not going to all be Christmas related. Not everybody celebrates Christmas. Holiday related. God, you are that woman from HR. <laughs> I'm this podcast HR, 100%. You are. You're like, don't say H and R together. It's triggering. We don't all recognize the Roman alphabet. <laughs> it's just me and you, and I'm HRing you vis-a-vis me. That's very funny. A TV show where it's like just a one-person company, but they hire HR and that person just harasses them. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> There's some legal loophole where you, if you get an HR person, you have to to do a You have to, if you're going to have a company, if you like, you have to have HR. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure whatever fucks over a business person in America, I'm sure there's a rule. Whatever makes it harder. Folks, let's get into it. Because the more chit chat up top, which is great, but if I don't really have anything to say, because on these evergreen runs, I don't want to be like, so guess what I did today? Uh, then we don't we get to less questions. So I want to pack it in. All right. Pack it tight. Yeah. And people have been writing in the longest questions known to man. And I edit them down and I'm still like, well, what if I leave out the important piece? So I read off somebody's novel. I can't believe I'm saying this, but less context. <laughs> and maybe a little less equivocating. Cause because it never rings true. It's always like, I'm really firm. I'm a great business person. I did let them squat in my garage and I don't know why they didn't pay me rent. So try to just give us the cold, hard facts. You also, you should say your age because I'll always ask for it because sometimes it does inform it. But like, try to keep it like highlight, bullet point, bullet point. Because we will, our eyes will go numb if it's just like, and by the way, like I I love dresses. And by the way, just when I listen back through, because I listen back through several times um, to make sure it's ready for the masses, I listen back through and I'll be skipping to find like a specific time point. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's three minutes and I'm still talking. What is happening? I know. <laughs> I fast forward you talking all the time. I'm like, get to the good stuff. You already know the question. All right, let's get into it. All this right. email subject line is SOS. Hey, AIA crew. Long time listener. First time asker. Love the pod. I've saved this email for almost a whole year now debating whether or not I should send it, but here it goes. It all started in 2021 when I became a city-side postal carrier, which is where you deliver mail on foot no matter what kind of weather we get. It's a northern area, practically Canada. It was incredibly difficult to adjust during the pandemic when everyone was ordering everything, and I mean everything online, plus two, three, four, sometimes five or six COVID tests on top of their delivery orders. Yikes. It was exhausting, but I started the job alongside another young man who I thought would be a team player, but turned out to be a horrible person with an even worse attitude about everything. He was totally quiet and never caused problems with the other carriers, 20 plus other people, but he couldn't stand my optimism or the faith that others had in me. 
I was feeling great despite the hardships because it was a really big turning point for me. So I chose to ignore him for as long as I could. Time passed and I started to notice little things. So when you start out in the postal service, you start as an assistant or associate. So you don't have one single route to work on. You shift around as needed. Well, he started doing little things wrong here and there. At first, I thought it was just forgetfulness. But over time, the acts became more and more deliberate. I realized he was doing these things on purpose to eat up my street time and slow me down. This impacted my overall performance. On top of that, he started calling me a slut when we would cross paths alone together. When we were loading or unloading our vehicles or if we walked past each other, he would say it, but super quiet so no one else could hear. By the way, this guy is why we have the term go postal. Yeah. Like this is that perfect incel chemically imbalanced. Just like I get to know addresses. This is a hot name and I hope I know their address now. (laughs) Ugh, I can already hear it. Gross. I chose not to say anything and just ignore him until one day I called him a dick in return. He stopped what he was doing and ran inside to tell our boss immediately. Nothing happened until later when he caused a huge issue that had to involve our boss. She threw the incident in my face about calling him a dick and he ended up winning. It didn't stop and got worse after that. I didn't know what to do. I thought if I would ignore it, he would get bored and move on. Well, two regular carriers ended up transferring to different offices, which allowed two assistant carriers to move up, which was huge news. It meant that one guy who had been there for two years before I started, and lo and behold, the jerk name caller would move up. He took this as a big win, but never bothered to invest in uniforms or care about how he showed up to work. He acted like a bum. He ended up slowing down more and putting more work on me. He was rude to our supervisor and never said more than two this words to anyone. This is the guy? This is, no. So this is the guy that she hates who's now been promoted to real mail carrier. Okay. And he's now I acting the, worse. The post service is like, we'll take who we can get. This is a hard job. <laughs> it was hell. We don't pay as much as Amazon. <laughs> well, I don't know about Maybe that. Do. I don't know. I would guess they had more. It was hell because other regulars have been asking me if I was excited to be moving up in my career so soon, but then I didn't. I had a feeling this guy was going to get the promotion, do the crappy review I was getting on my street time, so I tried to accept it. I don't know why I didn't just quit. I needed the job to pay off my student loans and my car loans. He didn't stop. I couldn't prove anything, so I coped with it. Then my boyfriend proposed to me. I was so excited. I told people in my office. They congratulated me loudly and happily. That was a wrong move on my part because the jerk name caller made a nasty comment about what he thought I might have had to do sexually to get the ring. It was disgusting. The lowest of the low comments. I wanted to die. The shithead would stop at nothing to keep me in misery for his own petty reasons. I told my fiance what he said, and he went online to file a report. I begged him not to, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. So he made me write the report. What is this guy's problem? An investigation happened. People from above came into the office to investigate. One person overheard him when he called me a slut, but he wouldn't admit it. He claimed he had no idea, which made it impossible to prove anything. And they couldn't do anything aside from telling me to record every single morning with my phone and document things each time it happened. See? Yes, that's what I say, but I don't say record everything. Mm -hmm. I asked him to, at the very least, tell him to stop and to explain what could happen if he didn't stop, which they agreed to. A couple months went by and other guys started calling me a slut too. No one would talk to me. No one was polite to me. My own supervisor and my boss were upset at me for making a report about the sexual harassment, so they chose not to promote me. It was another two months before a new title went through and I got a raise. Now I have to wait a year and a half to complete my contract before I qualify for a transfer. Nothing has gotten better. I can't afford to quit. I want to die at this job and I cry almost every single day. Should I quit and throw away everything that I worked for and search for a part-time job while working on some online certifications to get a better job? Or should I stay and wait it out? Please help me what to do. I'm dead inside, but I love the work that I do. What do you think? (laughs) First of all, it's too many options. You're like, do I stick it out? But you don't, you say you love the work, but then you're like, I could get an online certification to do something else. What do you want? Do you want to be a letter carrier? It sounds like Do you want to work for the post office? Okay, well then, I don't think you can hire a lawyer, but what's weird to me is somehow this guy was able to prove and make a big deal out of the fact that you called him a dick. And yet, when it comes to him routinely sexually harassing you, you can't prove it. 
So what did he say that was so fucking compelling that it got everyone against you? Either we're missing a part here or you are such a doormat and you're so broken at work that you just kind of quietly take it. What you need to do is get HR involved. And what you need to do is start recording this. And what you need to do is stand up for yourself. And it doesn't matter if you look fuckable or attractive. This is not an okay working environment, especially because this guy either has a crush on you or has like a mental issue. But for him to hold on to it for this long after he's like gotten the job you want it, like it's just bizarre. And it's weird that you have no one on your side. And I understand that this is a business I know nothing about, but either start recording it, start getting someone on your side, but this is an unacceptable environment. And I, I think it's, it sucks because there is no proof or documentation, but I don't know. Does that look good if you're like, if you can document all the times that all these people have, it's tough to be like, they stopped talking to me. My feelings hurt. It sounds like you need to like put your like legal thinking cap on. Where's all your friends? Where are the allies here? It sounds like no one at work is an ally. She's involved in HR. They made a formal report and HR is just like, okay, well, I guess record every morning of work and see if you catch anything on camera, which is insane. But it's not, in, it's insane and it's annoying, but you do it also so that he won't speak to you. Yeah. You know, and then he'll be like, you can't record me. There's something wrong with this guy, but you need to start holding yourself in a position where you feel he is beneath you. Because right now you're like, I don't know what to do because he's pure evil. This will shake out. This guy will fuck up. You know, it will come out. Something will happen. But in the meantime, like he's slowing down your career. So fuck no, you don't want to quit because of this guy. There's always going to be someone at work. This guy's a psychopath and the problem will resolve itself. But if you really want to keep working for the post office and you like it, you're going to have to like plant a flag. And be like, I'm going to take legal action. I want this guy off my team. I don't want to see him. I want to transfer. I've been doing good work. And they'll be like, it's your word against his. You're like, but you took his word when he called me, when I called him a dick. So what's missing here? Is there any other branch of the post office you can go work at that isn't this one? I know you're saying you can't transfer for a year and a half. Okay. I get. I would imagine you can't transfer within this like system, but can you join a different system of like postal workers who use cars, who use mail trucks? Can I, can I transfer if I'm like on the brink of suing this company? Yeah, wait, can you see if like, look, the way you handled it, if you tell HR, like the way that this was handled wasn't acceptable, I want to move up my transfer. Like, have you asked about doing that? Or are you just following kind of the general rules of, well, transfers can't happen until X, Y, and Z? And by the way, it's bullshit that your boss is like, I'm mad at you because you filed a report. Like who fucking cares about their feelings? That's neither here nor there. It sounds like you work in a really rural boys club and that sucks. But I think you're going to have to toughen up a little bit. And toughening up doesn't mean becoming a punching bag. It means being like, great, then we'll play that game and I will record it. If for nothing else, then you will stop speaking to me. I do wonder if she has a case for like a hostile work environment. If your supervisor has said any of this via email, like that that they're mad at you for reporting him, et cetera. So make sure you save those emails, print them out. Like this is, because if you get fired, I think there's a pretty good uh, case for caught. Yeah. Oh yeah. So get smart about it. Don't get angry, get tougher and fucking beat this guy at his own game. Yeah. Take it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already 
stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hi, Eliza, Emily, and Co. I'm a day one OG Ask Eliza Anything listener. This podcast, Eliza's Comedy, Forever 31 is a brilliant gem, have gotten me through some tough times. Thank you, Eliza, for putting your hilarious art into the world. I just have to say, I personally am a big fan of Forever 31. I was too, but <laughs> the network didn't see it that way, so we only had the one season. And I don't even know where you can find it now, but if you can, enjoy it, because I was very proud of it. <laughs> On like CW Seed or like Crackle. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's a, my Bravia app that comes with your TV. <laughs> it's good though. Okay, the question. I've recently started to travel more and while I've always been an anxious flyer, it feels worse after the hellscape that has been the last three and a half years. I don't love turbulence, but it's more the fear of some lunatic doing something crazy. The news doesn't help. There's always the possibility that my middle school teacher's playing 9-11 footage on repeat that day has had some lingering effects of a worst case scenario on a plane. As someone who constantly flies, how do you stay calm and not white knuckle it the whole time? Thank you, Catherine. Because I am someone that constantly flies. I've done it enough to know turbulence doesn't mean anything. It's just the wind. It's okay. It doesn't mean no one's like plane is coming apart. It's not like you're reentering an atmosphere and your plane's going to lose its wings. And really people act insane, but... If you really think about it, especially since 9-11, as much as I hate all the dumb rules at TSA, uh, nothing's really happened on a plane. Like there have been no, for the amount of people that like lose their minds and scream or get hauled off or whatever, people kind of have like a zero tolerance policy now. Like no one's pulling out a gun on a plane. No one's bringing a bomb. Like none of that's going to happen. Even that one guy, it was like a Southwest flight where like the flight attendant like taped him to the seat. I'm just saying, like if you're worried about people acting like lunatics, they're going to do that. But like flying is super safe. 
So, you know, point, when's the last time someone brought a bomb on a plane, you know? I, I don't know. There's There are thousands of flights in the air at any given time in the U.S. and none of them crash. <laughs> like, you're fine. <laughs> Think uh, about something else. I fly less regularly. I fly maybe like four times a year. And I am an anxious person. And I just, sometimes I I just sit there and I think like, okay, where's my bag? If this goes down, I won't have to go to work for a while and I'll get so much attention. And everybody will come visit me Uh, at the doctor. If you want, (laughs) there's your advice. If you want a handy trick that I do, sometimes when like that's, I get anxious about something, I always look at the flight attendants. If there's turbulence and she's just sitting there like playing Candy Crush on her phone, you're fine. Yeah. Because however much however much I fly or a frequent flyer flies, they don't fly as much as a flight attendant. So if they're not worried, if they're not even batting an eye, you're fine. Like don't get, don't let your, don't psych yourself out. Yeah. Also get you some noise canceling headphones and go to sleep. Yeah. And just think of the turbulence as gently rocking you to sleep. And well, here's the other thing. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to have soda, really. We just didn't have it in the house. Um, And so when I flew like once a year, twice a year, that would be when I would get to have a little cup of Coke and I would look forward to it so much. And so I still really look forward to that. So I'm sitting there eagerly awaiting my plastic cup that's mostly ice and my little Biscoff cookies. So I have a little, I have an excitement. Yeah. (laughs) Make it into an experience. Buy that $15 disgusting sandwich. Have a nice time. Thank you and enjoy your flight. Hi, Liza and crew. I have a question I feel like hasn't been talked about yet on the pod. Finances. For perspective, I'm a 31-year-old married female. I was the first in my family to graduate college and raised by a single mom. After seeing my mom struggle so much with money throughout my life, I wanted to start making a conscious effort to ensure that does not happen to me However, I went to an out-of-state and private college because of my mom's will and good intention to get me out of the poor economy in my state and to be the first to commit to receiving a higher education. I now have over $100,000 in student loan debt. It would have been more if it wasn't for the low-income grants and scholarships I had. I also accumulated a plethora of credit card debt in college since my mom was unable to support me financially, which I do not hold against her. I know she was doing her best. So now, here I am, 31 years old, and I have a ton of debt. My husband is super supportive and knows I do not have the best credit and is aware of my debt. I do have a couple savings accounts, 401k, and try to invest when I can. I'm in a good career that keeps my bills paid, but I'm finding it very difficult to budget my salary to keep contributing to my savings, but also pay off my debt. It was easier when the student loans were in forbearance because I was not expected to pay my $800 monthly payment. However, I'm now scared because my savings are not nearly where I want them to be and student loan repayments are staring back up. This is the one thing that keeps me awake at night because I do not want to end up like my mom living paycheck to paycheck. I would love your take slash knowledge on how to approach this situation. Love the pod and all the advice and laughter you provide to your fans. Okay, I can help with this, kind of, in that I am also... In debt. (laughs) I am also poor. I'm also poor. Um, I had never carried a credit card balance more than like $1,000 until I got Rizzoli and spent $10,000 on him at the uh, ER. And I have been trying to crawl out of that for a year because once it's up to that, it's just impossible. It just keeps building. You keep spending. You have to sit down and write the budget. You have to look at, you need to get a financial person. You need to go on like one of the weird debt reddits that I'm in that where maybe they're all insane, but, and look at what you pay off now that has really high interest rates. Like there is strategy to it. There are, there, there is a way you can do it where you pay less in the long term. I'm not even thinking about my student loans right now. I can't, but in terms of the, any credit cards you have, any of that debt, you need to sit down and figure it out exactly and figure out, am I, if I spend $20 less yep. on Netflix, can I put it towards that? You want to get that taken care of like as soon as you can. I'm not doing that and that's going badly for me. I need to sit down and do that. <laughs> I'm not taking my own advice and things are not good. No. Uh, I don't know if there's like a debt consolidation company, but you're absolutely right. The highest yield, the highest interest things are the things you should focus on. And- This is not your fault necessarily, but we do live in a society that promotes self-care in the form of consumption. Yes. And so, you know, this goes back to as millennials, it's like, 
oh, really? You guys made it so that the housing market's broken. Why? And you're telling me I can't have avocado toast? No, they're saying don't buy yourself a fucking Starbucks and an avocado toast every day or three times a week because it adds up. Not everybody is able to afford everything at all times. I know that's this like weird internet American promise. At any tax bracket, there are things that you just can't get. Like I, there are plenty of things that like, you just can't have. I can't have a private plane all day, every day. I can't, like, there's just certain things. And so I'm not, I'm not like yelling at you, you can't have it. But there's this weird ethos that's like, what? I don't deserve a treat. I don't deserve a break. Of course you do. But if you're injuring your future financial self by buying that little thing now, you know, all of these trips to Target, to Home Goods, to get the coffee, there is a budget involved. These things do add up all the little online purchases, you know? Um, so if you're really into it, you know, you got to sit, you got to buckle down and it'd be like, this won't be forever, but for now I got to get out of this so that I can live debt-free and not live paycheck to paycheck. It's okay to live that way for now. Yeah. Give yourself a break once in a while, but like, there's a lot of ways to save on things out there it's just not as glamorous, whether it's buying the cheaper thing or driving a little bit further to get the at the store that costs less, buying in bulk, reusing, you know, stuff like that. Commit to not buying anything for a month. Like go a month without, I mean, obviously like food, whatever, but don't buy anything off Amazon. I also, I got a 0% APR credit card. So I switched my debt to a credit card where you don't pay interest for 12 or 18 months. And so then or you aren't banking. No credit that. card. Well, that, I mean, that's the big problem. The big problem is you get to a point where you go, my debt's already so high, I'm not going to pay it off. I might as well keep spending. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, so you don't have to do all of those, but there are like little ways, but you got to commit to it. You got to get into it. And it sucks because numbers are hard. Yeah. Well, I think real quick also, because I think you could comment on this. The, the, a big problem is, is that people are, Everybody, a lot of other people are in the same situation as you, but they're just spending indiscriminately and they're not worrying about it. So it looks like, oh, why can everybody afford these things that I can't? They can't either. They shouldn't be they buying can't. it. They can't. If you really look at the people that you look at online that are like, here's what I did this morning in my thing. And really, if you really want to stalk them and like look into, oh, really, what kind of car do you drive? What does that apartment look like? Oh, you bought a five bedroom house in rural North Dakota. It was $12. Everybody flexes like they have money. And Bob, sorry, wealth is not shown in like the amount of plastic garbage you can accumulate from like tree hut. There's also side hustles. Yeah. I sometimes take quizzes. There's like this app D Scout where you can like sometimes do a like give basically consumer information for money. There's like transcriptions online. There's a bunch of little dumb things you can do. Professional reviewer, you could get a job, not that you want to do like on the weekend. I don't know if driving Uber works for right. you, stuff like that. Like the good news about living in America is like the money's out there if you want to hustle for it. It's not going to bring in tons of rich. You can sell pictures of your feet, you know? There are babysitting. I mean, you probably are like an actual professional, but extra shit. Like there's other money out there. It just depends on how serious you want to get. Well, and it comes down to like, I sh could pick up a second job to pay off debts. That to me isn't worth paying off the debt. So. Right. It's so a, it depends. Yeah. But you'll get there. Yeah. Hello, Eliza and Emily. I found myself in a strange predicament that I need advice on. I had a bad day with alcohol a week ago. Picture 12 hours of drinking with little food. I had a good time with friends, but the aftermath was not worth it. The next morning, I decided to take a break from drinking. I don't normally drink during the week, but my husband had a work event on a random Tuesday. It was my first test. We had several friends there and they were all drinking. When I asked the bartender for a sparkling water with lime, the whole party stopped. All eyes on me like someone hit pause on a TV show. I got a barrage of questions and comments. How could they hear you? <laughs> they were all like, how waiting. quiet was that party? <laughs> the comments are, they have several wines. The inside bar has liquor. Why aren't you getting a drink, et cetera. I've never been so uncomfortable in a social setting in all my 42 years. I didn't know what to say and stumbled my way to a corner table and didn't move the rest of the night. I don't understand why anyone else cares what I drink or why not drinking is so scandalous. I plan to continue this sober journey and I'm hoping you can help me with comebacks or advice on how to be sober in an alcohol-obsessed world. Love you both. Thank you for all your wisdom. L-O. Uh, you're right. They don't care. 
they just care to make the comment, but nobody actually cares if you're drinking. And when you're drunk, you want the world to be drunk, but like you move on from it. Nobody like stays on it. This is not about them. And this is not about your response. This is about you being so comfortable and happy with the choice you made that any other comments roll off your back and sound like dumb rhetoric. Like if I'm at a party, first of all, this whole thing where it's like, oh, I always get pressured to smoke drugs. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to waste their expensive drugs on you. <laughs> but I can't imagine being somewhere someone's like, come on, you don't want to hit a pot. I'd be like, no, I don't want it. Like, I think it's weird that you're like, like pressuring me on this. So I know everybody always wants free drugs from me. Like, what's a good comeback? You know, you could be like, I don't know. Do you need me drunk for you to have a good time? And they'll be like, what's your problem? You could just be like, I'm just taking it easy. Be like, I'm still hungover from a week ago. You don't have to explain yourself beyond that. Be like, I'm just taking a break, but I wanted to come to the party anyway. I know it's so lame. And then they'll be like, it's not lame. Nobody actually cares, but you're feeling insecure about it. Right. Because you feel like you had to stop for a reason that was not that you had to stop, that it wasn't your choice as much. You know what I mean? Like there's, you're like, okay, this really bad day happened and now I have to deal with it. And anyone asking makes you think about that. And it's like, they really don't care. They really don't care. I mean, I, for what it's worth, when I first started in comedy, I would go to my set. I would have like a vodka Red Bull or a vodka cranberry. Just one, like a normal person. And then I would do my set. And then I remember I got... I must have gotten super drunk and like I woke up with the flu or like I woke up with a cold over Christmas when I was like 23 and it turned me off from drinking for a while. So much so that to this day, I think people, I've still had people be like, you, I thought you don't drink. Now that could just be because I give off the impression of someone who's holier than now, but <laughs> it did recalibrate my brain even though I went on to write like a lot of jokes about drinking and party goblin and I definitely you know, have enjoyed drinking. I never drank before a gig again, which is a huge part of work ethic to me. Um, so maybe it's not forever. And maybe it's just like that one time I got really drunk off of vanilla vodka and vanilla Coke. And now I cannot stand it. Not the worst thing to not drink it anyway. Maybe it's just enough to get it so that you never drink that combo again, that much again. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't have a problem with alcohol. You just had a bad night. I don't know what you did. I don't know if you woke up with like a tattoo of like Bart Simpson on your forehead. <laughs> but um, just give it a beat. But you don't owe anyone an explanation. And honestly, you can just be like, I'm just taking a break. And just be confident when you say that. And I, get, I bet you they'll be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, 100%. You're projecting. And if they say anything, just be like, I, I don't know. I gave you my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I gave you my, like, it's weird that you care and they don't care. They won't. No one's going to bother you. No. But I've definitely been to the partner's work thing where you're not drinking and you're like, cool, can I go? <laughs> it's not fun to party when you're not drunk because you realize how shitty everyone else is. Yeah. Yeah. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet. Well, introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's. And enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. 
It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Hi, Eliza and Emily. Big fan of the pod and of your stand-up. I have a friend's wedding dilemma going on at work. I, 31 female, was invited by a 47-year-old female to her wedding about a week ago. I had put her under the impression that I would go, but then when the weekend came of the event, I got sick and couldn't make it. Granted, I didn't let her know via text because I forgot to do so, but also I was sick and not feeling up to spreading the cold that I had around. Fast forward. Now that some of the others didn't show up and me having a decent reason to be unable to attend, she's been giving everyone the cold shoulder. Tried asking her about her wedding and she said, I don't really want to talk about it. And this was a few days ago. I spoke with another coworker slash friend of the situation and she told her why she was upset and in turn told me because I was genuinely worried about her. My question, is she overreacting? I've only known her for a few months and I've worked here at the animal shelter. Oh, of course, longer than she has. How can I hear her (laughs) patch things up between us? Also, congrats on the baby boy. Happy to hear what you have to say. You made a mistake. It was tacky. It was rude. It doesn't matter if you've known her for a day or your whole life. You accepted an invitation. It's not your fault that you got sick. Truth is, day of, she doesn't want to field that text anyway, but like it's already paid for, whatever it was. So it's not like it would have mattered if she knew or not, but you didn't give her the respect of that. All you can do is apologize. And I would make it a gesture. Go buy her some flowers. Or I, I don't know if you want to be closer, if you want to like take her to lunch, I would buy her something, like a nice bouquet of flowers. And I would just be like, hey, I want to own and apologize the way that I behaved. I was very sick and it was so rude of me to not let you know. I'm sure, I, I'm sure you weren't thinking about me that day, but don't make it about other people. She's also hurt that other people didn't come. She feels lame. Be like, I wanted to be there. And I sincerely apologize. And can I take you to lunch? Can I buy you a coffee? If she holds on to it that beyond then, which is kind of like fair or whatever, there's not much else you can do. But what you have not done is apologize to her. What you haven't done is like tried to make amends and acknowledge that like you hurt this person for no reason because you didn't feel like responding. That's yeah. what you have to do. And she may not forgive you. I And she may be writing into our podcast. I get how it seemed like less of a commitment because she asked you like a week before the wedding. You've only known her for a few months. She probably had some people drop out and had some spaces and invited some of her coworkers. But yeah, it was a wedding. She might have made it sound casual. It was a wedding. It was not casual. And it would be, probably she probably wouldn't be as upset if all the other people who said they were coming did. Right. But they didn't. So you're bearing this burden of this, the brunt of this, um, because she's kind of not taking it out on you, but she's just frustrated. She feels hurt. She feels embarrassed. So atone for your part of it. Yeah. Don't bring up the other people who ditched this loser. Yeah. Hi. 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 Long time listener. First time question asker. Question. Hi. Would you report major government assistance fraud? (laughs) I shared a story on Instagram that was a quote about relating to other parents who don't have a village to help them raise their children. I'm a 34-year-old stay-at-home mom to three, no daycare or family close by to help. A high school acquaintance replied to my story saying I should apply for a child care credit because now she pays $45 a week for her two kids in daycare instead of $500. That's it? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear the rest of it. She was doing it. I was like, where do you live? She went on to say that she lied about her and her fiance living together, and she told them she lives in a different state from him and her kids. Her fiance also had to have this notarized. To make matters worse, she doesn't work by choice and spends her days going to the beach and drinking margaritas while her kids are in daycare paid for by the state. This doesn't sit well with me. Would you report this major fraud? Anonymous. Are you sure that is the case? Because I've noticed we get people on this podcast that judge other, look, I'm all about judging, but that judge the way other women spend, raise their kids. It's like, she doesn't even need it. She's always saying she's got a lot of money. Like, does she really, really do that? Or do you happen to see a Facebook post once a week, she goes somewhere? Regardless of what she does during the day, she filed a notarized document saying that her and her fiance don't live together so that she's getting some sort of credit for childcare that she would not get otherwise. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that is shitty. And I hate when people take advantage of taxes that I pay for. Plenty of people do it. Do you know for a fact it's by choice versus she has a secret nerve pain? Do you know it's for fact by choice versus I've looked, I've only have this level of education. I've looked at everything in my area. I just, I'm reticent to go along with this narrative. Like she spends every day drinking on the beach. I would, I just, you would feel horrible if that was just like the online version of what her life is. What if the kid, maybe it has special needs. Like I just would be careful. There's a version where she's a piece of shit. So if you know that empirically, then yeah, I mean, people will tell you not to report it, but if if she is just truly a piece of shit, like fuck her. I mean, I think it's like, okay, she's definitely defrauding the government. I personally, I would not say anything because it doesn't, if I report her, it doesn't get me more money. Like it doesn't no, get it me doesn't. anything. Yeah, I guess deep down, is it like a a, a need to make things fair? Like what will reporting her and her maybe going to jail for fraud? <laughs> like what's that going to get you? I yeah. think you just don't respect this person. Yeah. So you don't hang out with them, but there might be people doing way worse things in your life. It's just, you got to, what are you going to get out of this? That being said, Ooh. if she's awful and whatever, what? Start blackmailing her and tell her that for, you want a hundred dollars a week or you're yeah. going to tell them. She's I want defrauding half of that $45. No, half of that 500 that she's saving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe she's doing it for a little bit to save money to start her own business. It's not okay. It's just kind of also like, what if you get listed in the report? Like, what if you have to testify? Like, yeah. I would just make sure everything's buttoned up before you blow up this person. But if she's an ap actual criminal, then well, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes it feels really good to anonymously support someone who's awful. Like when I had those drug dealers who had dogs that they would just let like run all over the neighborhood and run up on you and like shit everywhere. And I called a friend who called like a dog removal service and they just took their dogs and then the dogs were sent somewhere else. And I loved that because that guy was such a fucking piece of shit. I felt great. <laughs> you can't you. just have your off the leash giant fucking pit mix running around and shitting on everyone's lawns and you're like, this is cool, right? Because I'm a drug dealer. No. No. Hi, Eliza and Emily. Eliza, congratulations on the pregnancy. I saw you last year in Des Moines and it was a hilarious show. I'm sad to see you're not clubbing close to me for this tour, but I can't say I blame you. <laughs> on to the question. I was just, I was in Des Moines. I played Des Moines every tour. You know where? 2024. When are you back? You're not in Atlanta. I don't see any Atlanta dates. Oh my God, you don't list your tour dates for the next two years. You, I have to have a baby and I have my routing. Excuse me. Okay, fine. And I'll be there in 2024. Okay. I just don't post it all at once. All right. All right, Please. everybody go to eliza.com slash tour and stay tuned. It's not that you just hold, leave the page open and just I'll leave, update it in a few weeks. Refresh it every day. Be nice to meet. <laughs> On to the question. I am 25 female and a fifth grade teacher. It's my first year of teaching and I'm truly loving it despite the daily exhaustion and tedious lesson planning that comes with a job. And firearm drill training and karate lessons as well go. as peanut allergy relief seminars. <laughs> my class is full of chaotic, high energy kids, but they keep me laughing every day and I wouldn't want to spend every day with any other group of people. Really? Now, 
I, yeah, I know. This is very... Any, sh- any other? <laughs> <laughs> now, to the reason I'm writing in. The bully of the building. No, it's not one of my kids. It's the P.E. teacher. He regularly makes my sweetest kids cry by yelling at them for the smallest things. For example, one boy came back from P.E. sobbing because he stepped out of line during basketball and the P.E. teacher in front of everyone said, Wow, how incredibly unsafe. You can go sit on the side of the gym for the rest of class and hope that next time we play, you can make your legs work properly. Today, he crossed the line. When I got to the gym to pick up kids, there were two or three sitting out for, quote, inappropriate behavior. This isn't uncommon, but as he was dismissing my kids, he said, Okay, time for you guys to go. I have another class that I'd much rather be with. I almost lost it right there. My kids already dread going to PE because of him, and now he's going out of his way to straight up tell them he doesn't like them? My question is, how do I professionally tell him to never speak to my kids like that again if he doesn't want to feel the tip of my shoe up his butt? He is only in the building twice a week, so I'll probably have to say something over email. Thanks for all you guys doing for talking about how underpaid and overworked teachers are. We appreciate you. Sincerely, Miss F. Well, here's the thing. To have a kid sit out from the one class of the day where you're supposed to be physical is counterintuitive. Yeah. Unless the kid was actually being disruptive. I've definitely had those gym teachers who have like a little bit of an attitude. I don't think it's the worst thing for some kids to bear the brunt of that. I do think we live in a society where it's like, oh, special flower. You can't look him in the eye. Like, and I'm sure there are plenty of kids that like don't care, take it with a grain of salt, whatever. If it's truly abusive and it's like really above and beyond unnecessary, you don't seem like you have a problem standing up for yourself, but it might be something where you talk to the head of the school, otherwise known as a principal. Because what you don't want, if this guy really is a dick, like you don't want there to be friction and you don't want a postal carrier situation between you and this guy. I also, if this guy has the freedom to just like go out of bounds and talk to kids that way, why can you not in front of the kids be like, we're not going to talk to them that way. You know, I know teachers create a united front. So it's all about what's the outcome you want. You want him to temper his attitude around these kids. He's a gym teacher, so he's probably not gonna. You might have to go above his head because chances are he's not going to want to hear from a 25-year-old girl how to do his job. Uh, You'll probably tell the head of the school, either they'll rat you out or he won't say anything. Then you can try to do it personally, but I don't know. You sound like you're a real big heart, but I I just make sure it's, is it every kid that's afraid or three kids? That's... Uh, that's exactly what I'm wondering because it sounds like cause some teachers are just gruff like that and you know that they're not serious. Yeah. I think the, pro- yeah. the it's looking at are your kids taking it seriously? Now they're they're like younger kids. They're fifth graders. No, Also, nobody likes PE. Everybody dreads it. You feel uncomfortable. You have to like wear shorts. I All the other kids it. are no, mean. No, Emily, that's... These, no, the these, rest of us enjoy it. All these right. sad sack little fifth graders don't want to go to PE. They are not... They got to toughen up. They got to toughen up. Well, yeah. I mean, this might... I don't know if it's worth sticking your neck out this in your first year going toe-to-toe with like the weird PE teacher. Maybe can you get the temperature from anyone else of like, are kids across the school crying? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. And then it's a bigger issue. And then you have like a little bit of allyship. But if it's one or two kids, like, look, not every teacher is going to fit for every single kid. He's probably exhausted just as you are. You're a lot fresher to the scene. So you're a little less beaten down. But... The other thing you could do is like he teaches his way and you teach yours. So when you get your kids back and they're like, you know, Coach B was mean to me. Be like, well, he's just a grump. Let's go learn fractions. Yeah. Yeah. Careful. Tread carefully, my young 25-year-old friend. Hello, podcast crew and all the tiny babies. I am hoping you can help me with this very serious decision. The context, I, 37 female, started dating my ex, 32 female, when she and I worked at a bar together. We both had kids around the same age and had a lot of fun. She had a drinking problem when we met. She tried to quit and ended up having a seizure. We worked with a doctor and she started to sober up. She was doing great, went back to night school, got a great job as a retail store manager. She was able to move out of HUD and into an apartment. 
Unfortunately, she cheated on me with one of her coworkers and we broke up. I stayed friends with her because she was a good person in my life overall until she kept asking me for money, stating that her baby daddy needed it for something stupid and the kids needed food or clothing. Came to a complete end when she left her son at my house because her baby daddy beat her while pregnant and she didn't press charges. Jumped two years later, I ran into her at the grocery store. We started talking and she told me she had left her baby daddy. She 30, which one's 32, which one's 37? Uh, our person's 37, X is 32. Okay, go on. So we started to casually chat again. She asked me to come with her to meet a man she matched with on a dating app just for safety. I was unable to go, but my boyfriend said he would because he is a very sweet man. Figured he would just sit at the bar and if she needed an out, he would be there to help. It was a lie. When he got home, he told me the whole horrible story. The app was an escort app. The man was a John. She lost her job (gasps) due to drinking and drug use and is about to be evicted from her apartment. She's still hooking up with her baby daddy and they do drugs together. She even tried to hook up with my boyfriend, but he ended up getting out of there very quickly and wanted to call the police that night. Should we involve CPS? I don't have any proof the kids are abused or neglected, but if their mother is using drugs and drinking heavily, that can't be safe. Thank you for your insight, A. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. Because you care about her. You care about these kids. Uh, I've heard horror stories about CPS. You know, I can't tell you that kids are always placed. I mean, no shade to anybody who is a foster parent or anything like that. You know, sometimes you're taking them out of one situation and putting them into a different one, but that's out of your control. What this woman needs is to not have her children and to figure out a way to get clean, get a job, get sober. And it sounds like she's trying. She's just got some demons. But because you seem to care about those kids, you might want to make a call. It might be the best thing you can do for her because she sounds like an addict. Yeah, this and also a CPS call. Okay, they're going to go investigate. And if they find nothing wrong, then there's nothing wrong. They're not going to, I mean, well, okay, let's not going to rest that. I mean, it depends. They might wrongfully do something, but you're not, you're not getting someone in trouble who wasn't going to be in trouble anyway. (laughs) Yeah. The other version is like, you do nothing. She ends up dead. She brings some guy back to her house who like kills her in front of her kids. Like, it's just, All you're doing is trying to stop a little bit of the bleeding. So for sure. Yeah. Because it's someone you care about. If this was like a girl you went on a date with, I'd be like, dude, stay out of it. But I think you care about these kids. Oof, that's awful. Yeah. But hey, sex work for the person who's in debt, there's always that side hustle. There you go. Get a sugar daddy. We're not not allowed to make fun of it anymore. So I told you you sell pictures of your feet. Don't do that. If somebody will pay you, do it. Yeah, for sure. Hi, Eliza. My boyfriend and I saw you in Portland, Maine a couple weeks ago and had a blast. I'm writing on on behalf of my little sister. She's a 20-year-old college student. I'll call her S. Her boyfriend, C, is a 23-year-old med school student. The situation. The two of them were out at a party on Halloween. Early in the evening, S was walking behind C and his friend jumped out and startled him. He jumped back, knocked her over, and broke her arm. My sister has a very high pain tolerance and says she was sobbing all night, but it took until 4 a.m. for her to convince him to take her to the ER. Prior to that, he tried to convince her to just go to sleep and make an appointment at the doctor the next day. When they returned from the ER, S went to make herself some oatmeal. C saw her making breakfast with one arm, and instead of offering to help, he asked her if she could make something for him too. He didn't take her to her orthopedic surgeon appointment the next day because he said he had to study and in general has just handled this whole situation very poorly. C has always been a really nice guy, but we can't tell how much of his behavior is intentionally shitty and how much of it is just poor judgment and male cluelessness. At this point, S says she resents him and at least needs space. Where do they go from here? Thanks. None of your business. Who cares? First of all, you're a shitty doctor if you can't tell something is broken. I don't care if you're in med school. Like, I feel like broken bones are like 101. You know, there is the version where she was like, I'm totally fine. And they didn't know it was broken. Sometimes you don't know something's broken. And she could have been making that oatmeal. And she was like, I feel great. Like, I feel fine. Like, you don't know what that conversation was, but that doesn't matter because she wants some space. You should encourage her to take that space. I think a lot of guys who go to med school are like kind of dicks. Like you can't tell me that every male doctor you've ever had has had like incredible bedside manner. Like there was like a God complex thing to it. Yeah. So 
this is a college romance. He made her feel bad and that's what matters. And so you're in her corner. You support her. It doesn't seem great for this guy, but it doesn't matter. They take a break. They don't take a break. Tell her you're on her side that they should take a break. Well, I would also encourage you to make sure that she has talked to him because, yeah, he is close and he's looking at her and he's going, well, just make, yeah. you're making some, make more. Did she say, hey, man, my arm is broken. This is already right. tough That's for right. me. Maybe you could make me some oatmeal. Like, then you'll find out, is he clueless? If he goes, no, get back to the kitchen. I'm going to break your other arm. Then you know to break up with him. This also might be, my first thought was like he broke her arm, but this also might be a lesson in her like speaking up for what she wants. You're making oatmeal and you seemed fine and you said you were fine. So like, why not make me some? Like, yeah, it's kind of a dick, but he'll argue it very practically in black and white. Yeah. Some girls like a guy like that that are like, what? You're being irrational. She's just going to have to kind of get through this on her own. And it's nice that she wants to take some space for herself. Good for her. But this is also a lesson. And as a woman, giving people the facts and like not having a man read your mind. Yeah. How, did, how come you didn't know I was hungry? Because you said you weren't hungry, but you should have known I was. Guess what I want to eat. That's my favorite game with Noah. I'm not hungry. Guess what I want to eat. I saw a trick where what you do is you say, the guy says to the girlfriend, like, I'm going to take you out for a surprise. Like, oh, surprise. We're going to dinner. I'm taking you out. Oh, guess where we're going. And then whatever they say, you go, yes, you got it right. No, that wouldn't work on me. I'd be like, oh, we're going to whatever. Tony's Tacos. He'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, I hate that place. I knew you'd take me there. How could you? Italian tacos? No, thank you. Hey, pod fam. I would like to hear your takes on a situation I have with a coworker. I, 32 female, work in healthcare, not a nurse, medical imaging. I have a coworker, 41 female, who gets under my skin. She's newer in the field than I am. I've been in the field for seven years at the company for two. I'm the lead of a very small team. And she's been at this company, her first job in the field for one year. There's plenty of time to learn the ropes, enough to be independent, but this grown ass woman still can't or won't figure it out. She texts her work from home husband all day, negates doing any actual work, and when prompted to help says she's just so busy. We're not that busy. Most frustratingly, she asks the same questions of me over and over again, taking up my time and in effect making me do more work for the same pay and can't take constructive criticism that I deliver professionally and that she asked for. Management and nearly all the staff don't enjoy working with her and know how she is. My impression is she simply doesn't want to work. To add insult to injury, she's begun to single white female me, same haircut, same color, first blonde, then brown within weeks after me, same nail designs, poorly recreating work habits of mine. I know that's petty of me and imitation is a form of flattery, but ugh, I can't stand her, but need to work with her help. Can't wait to see you for the fourth time in Vegas on my birthday, 1028. Oh, it already happened. Yeah, already Happy birthday. She's like, oops, I already <laughs> killed her, but no one could tell it was her because I thought it was me. Because she copies me. Well, Emily will tell you to start documenting everything. Not it's even. It's kind of weird that you're... Hi- what? Not then for what? this one. It's weird that your higher-ups know she sucks and they're not firing her. Our question asker is a manager. And I can't 100% tell if she's this person's manager. It sounds like she's this person's manager. She's been in the field seven years. She's been at this place a couple of years. She is this person's manager. This person is asking her questions over and over. You have to be like... Are you going to, could you please write it down this time? I will email you an exact record. Can you please refer to the notes that I sent you? Like you're the manager. Yeah. You, I think it's, if you're the one in charge, you have to start saying to her, like, this is the fifth time I've told you, I'm going to need you to write this down. I cannot explain this to you again. Like, what can I do to help you do your job better? And make a note of it every time. That way, when you guys do fire her, it's like, well, here's all the time she was inept. Here's what you do. I remember reading about this. So after you have meetings with her, you then email her a summary of the meeting and you say, this is what we talked about. Like, right, let me know if you have any other questions. I've seen this as a way, like basically if they're trying to strong arm you out of a business, if you're on the other side, if you're the employee where you think that they're, where they're asking something unreasonable of you, you then put it in writing and get them to agree to it. So you have it in writing. I think it can work in the reverse that you say, okay, we talked about this. We went through how to do this. Here is where you took notes on it. We discussed yeah. the action plan for how you were going to help yourself remember where your notes are so that next time you can do it yourself. Like she needs a system. I think it's also tough. People write in with these like very corporate 
job questions. And I don't, ha- I, I've never had a job like that. So I'm just like, oh, tell her to eat it. But <laughs> maybe it is sitting down with her to say, here's what you're like, because you're saying she pretends that she's busy when she's not. Like we would need to, let's rediscuss your role here and what your jobs are. And she'll say, great, I do this, this, and this. You'd be like, okay, every time I've asked you to do X, you've told me you don't have it. You can't do this. You'd be like, so this is starting to affect your job performance. So I want to kind of start fresh and talk about what's actually expected of you here so that we can, I can help you do your job better and you can help me. Yeah, yeah. And if you phrase it as like, you're asking her, how do you like learn best? Like, do you need it written down? Do you need a YouTube video? Don't ask her. No, don't ask her. Be like, I need you to figure out what you need to do in order to execute these tasks that are your job. Yeah. Because it's what's starting to happen is I'm having to do more and more work. You know, you don't want to say like, you're texting your loser husband. She could be like, he's on a ventilator. Like, you don't know. So stick to the facts that you got. But that is annoying. Man, girls on this podcast get really upset when other girls copy them. Let her copy your nail art. Who cares? I don't know that I've ever noticed anybody copying me. I've noticed people copying you. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck mimicking this swag. Oh. (laughs) Cheap imitation. Oh, boy. Tomba the cob. It's a talk with a cob. We're doing it right. Every day, you just take a bite, top of the cob. Uh, I'll do my, I'll start with bottom. Uh, my bottom is I needed a break from everything online, from everything. And so I, a few weeks ago, was like, I'm going to do what I used to do. Because I used to throw a big holiday party and I would go and I would take Blanche and I would get a fun coffee and we would go to Moscatel's, which is like a wholesale craft store downtown. Do you ever come with me? I don't, th- I don't, I don't recall if I did, but I remember you talking about it. And I remember your bounties of what you would get there. We went to the big candy I just re- store together. I, I think we, yes. we must have gone there together though. We must have gone because you were the only one that was ever available because <laughs> um, you worked for me. Um, I just remember the smell of fake cinnamon as a kid at Michael's, like MJ Designs. And it just evokes warm memories for me of just not even necessarily anything particular about a holiday, but I always just felt very comforted being, I loved art and crafts and stuff like that. And I just always liked that. So I think as an adult, my 20s and 30s, I would go and I would buy holiday decor. And it was just like a fun thing to do, especially in LA, which is whatever. And so I hadn't been in years because... Years ago, I stopped buying holiday things and I just reuse everything. I mean, the ornaments I have, as Gentile as they are, like I've had since I was like 29, I keep them and just rearrange them every year. And so I got two friends because I know I almost never see my friends anymore. And we went. And while it was really nice to spend time with these two other women and kind of just talk about nothing, it didn't quite feel the same because it was clouded by the fact that like everything there is made of like cheap glitter from China. Everything was really expensive, even the cheap stuff. And it just, I less and less feel the need to purchase things to celebrate a season. And all of it felt kind of just tacky and cheap. And I didn't really have a reason to go. So I bought a candle in the shape of a turkey because it was on sale. But it just, I guess it's also getting older. Like the things that you used to do to soothe yourself kind of just don't feel the same, like eating junk food or whatever. And so that was sad because it used to be such a warm place. And I guess I just outgrew it. That was my bottom of the cob. Well, I'm going to do the fan bottom next because it's related. My bottom of the cob is glitter. (laughs) I work in retail and I'm in charge of the seasonal department. Every single holiday, all the decorations are covered in glitter. And if it yeah. and it never stays on said decoration. Christmas is the worst holiday. Everything is covered in glitter. And when you open the boxes, the glitter that is left over in the boxes could cover a classroom school projects for a year. I go home with glitter everywhere. Hair, face, clothes, even gets in my bra and underwear. Even after I shower, it's still there. I'll be covered with glitter until the end of January. Amanda from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is slowly crushing our environment. It's extremely bad for the environment. So it's this fun, whimsical thing, but if it's not biodegradable, and even then, I don't know if I believe it, opt out of the glitter. And you just see like packages of confetti, like all somehow in America, we've been sold this idea that everything you have to do has to be like disposable, made in China, plastic, crappy to celebrate your family. And I realized like, no, you just need them there. 
maybe put out a couple pumpkins, but we got to, I mean, people have whole aesthetics and businesses showing like all the decorations they do and it is fun and I get it, but it is, we are killing our planet just so you can have like a fun night with your family. Like it is inherently deeply selfish. Yeah. So buy your things and reuse them. Okay. Now that I've ruined Christmas. Oh, my bottom of the cob is, um, I don't know if this happens to you never or more since you have a better sense of smell. I don't have a great sense of smell, but every time I'm in my house and I smell something, I'm like, oh, it's a gas leak and we're all going to die. It's over for us. This is it. Like whenever I smell something weird, I'm just like, it's done. I'm done for. And then I walk around like, where's that coming from? I'm not positive. I just know there's a smell I don't like debating. Like, can I call my mom and ask her to drive over here and smell around. What do I do? Like, a, where? how you find a smell? You can't, if you're me. You leave the house and you go out with friends or on a date. No, my cats are here. What if it's, oh a, if it's a gas leak? It's not a gas leak. You're a hypochondriac and, uh, and I get it and you're nervous about it, but I think you need, you got to join a kickball league or something, Emily. You got to get out of the house. It's enough. I'm here to do your intervention. Um... Top of the cob, January of last year, I was, January, February of last year, I was in Australia and I got my nails done at this Japanese girl's uh, small shop and she did like the cool Japanese art with all the gems. And then I found this incredible Korean woman here in LA that could do a similar style. Then I went to Japan, not to get my nails done, but I was there for the USO and I got them done. So every few months or weeks, I've been getting incredible nail and my nails have grown so long and they got a little too heavy and two of them cracked like in the middle. Like these are my real nails, but they were just like too heavy. They don't look heavy, but it's just too much. And the truth is I can't type. It's like, what is it? That episode of the Simpsons where the dog was like walking on its toenails. Uh, Cause like, it just, I, I can't type. I cannot pick up bobby pins. And I just went today and I got my nails cut down to almost nothing. They look nice and normal, clear polish. The guy was like, let me put on a protective coat. I was like, I'm good. And uh, I'm free. I can open packages and I can pick my nose. So we're taking a break from the exquisite nail art. Back to normal, baby. Feels okay. Good. Feel liberated. The fan top of the cob. My top of the cob is your show in Vegas on October 28th. My husband and I were celebrating my new job as a cruise scheduler at an airline after being a ballet slash dancer slash performer slash teacher for the majority Whoa. of my life. I'm excited to have actual adult benefits like PTO and a 401k. Seeing the sweet baby <sighs> snow peach run on stage was awesome and you were absolutely hysterical as always. Much love, Lisa. Lisa's like, I'm looking forward to not having my feet bleed. Congratulations <laughs> on the new job and thank you for coming to see me. And no, it was not planned. Tianfu did run on stage randomly and she's always welcome on my stage when she's, <laughs> when she's not cowering under a chair. Sweet baby. Okay. My top of the cup is I got a new water bottle. I need to, I, I, I know psychologically I can trick myself. I got a new bottle. I got some new stickers for it. So now it's like a fun thing I'm doing to trick myself into hydrating. And I like that I know, I know it's going to work psychologically for at least a few months until I don't clean it one time and then it's gross and I never touch it again. I'm really proud of you <laughs> for keeping yourself alive, for needing motivation to keep yourself alive. But you know what? <laughs> Baby steps. Maybe you'll drink the water and then you'll be hydrated enough to leave the home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, either way, that's a big step from the from the young, from the pie-faced, wide-eyed girl that I took in all those years ago. Look at you drinking water. You're a homeowner. Drink your fucking water. <laughs> Don't cry. We'll see you next time, folks. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.